San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. You can get all these podcasts on iymoney.com. We stream live on 760kfmb.com. And if you search iTunes for the title of the show, It's Your Money and Your Life, uh, you can get all the podcasts there as well. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's a marathon runner. He's an, an, an author and a lecturer. He's a philanthropist. And he's a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Doing great, Joe. <laughs> the um, San Diego Fair is over, so there was less traffic for at least one week That's before the, the racetrack started. That's the best thing about 4th of July. <laughs> well, in this case, it was the 5th of July. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you have a great 4th yourself? Or? Yeah, it was good. Um, I watched the women's soccer match, too. Oh, well, that was that congratulations was to the U.S. women! Wow, that was something. It was like four nothing after 15 minutes. All yeah. the drama was gone. Yeah, it was. It was well. They made a little comeback, but not much. Yeah, but so. that, that was exciting. I guess they had. <laughs> I guess they had about 1.3 million live attendees at, at that entire event, which is incredible. Yeah. I happened to spend uh, 4th of July, but you know Bill and Michelle, they had another big bash at their house sure. with uh, inflatable things for the kids, and it was just unbelievable, about 250, 300 people. Wow. And I left there at 11 o'clock at night. I, maybe we'll talk to our experts this afternoon or tonight on our show and ask them about this phenomenon. I do not, 11 o'clock at night, I'm t- coming down 5 South, still bumper-to-bumper traffic coming out of Mission Bay. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad I didn't catch it on the freeway, but I could see it, and, and everyone's streaming out of Ocean Beach. I, mean, I, I just don't see the big attraction of fireworks. Uh, for. You know, I mean, I could see it for kids maybe, but uh, I, I just don't know why people want to put themselves through <laughs> through that every year. But did you, does that happen in North County too, Richard? Well, there's shows all over the place in North County. I just stand on my front porch, which is sort of elevated, and I can look over the Del Mar racetrack or up. Um, to the east or up to the north, and but just like the, see three simultaneously. So I, mean, I don't. I didn't have to put up with the traffic. Well, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. My wife and I ran. Mary and I ran the um, uh, Saturday morning. We ran the um, 12K on Coronado Island, and the cab driver who took us from our hotel to the start line said that every single parking sp- space in Coronado was taken by 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, why people put themselves through that, but maybe we could have a little part of the discussion because today's uh, tonight's show is all about real estate, and we've got two real good experts here. One is the dean of of uh, real estate analysis and feasibility research and whatnot. He's been in town here for 25 years, and anybody who knows anything about real estate knows the name Alan Nevin. So, Alan, welcome to our show. Thank you, Joe. Our absolute pleasure. And, of course, we have one of our sponsors with us, Richard, uh, Mr. Cost Segregation himself. Joe Crushkin, <laughs> Cost Segregation Initiatives. Another financial whiz. but Help, Helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Yeah. Hey, do you guys, I mean, that real estate, I mean, the 4th of July phenomenon where people just, uh, you know, stack themselves up till all ungodly hours. Of, and yeah, why? I mean, it's the fireworks? Or what, what does that have to do with real estate, Joe? Well, they're all fighting for real estate, these people. Yeah, parking spots. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure it's just the 4th of July. The weekends down here, going between here and L.A. or here in Newport, have gotten crazy. Horrendous, huh? The yeah. traffic doesn't matter. Saturday, Sunday, it's worse than during the week. Huh. I always kind of had a rule. If I had to travel to L.A., I would leave, you know, 
after 8 a.m. here, and if I had to return, it would be after 8 p.m. there, and that seems to help, but you're right. On Friday, for some reason, I mean, I took Bree Walker up there for an event. One, we, it took me five hours to go from Del Mar to, to Sherman Oaks. I mean, <laughs> just crazy. See, I cheat, Joe. I live at the beach. Uh-huh. So I could just walk across the street. Yeah, well, you got so to fight. I don't have to. I, I own my own parking. Well, you're lucky because some people, I, I remember some people living, working in the, the UTC area, and, and, and uh, it would take them... Um, you know, a few minutes to get down to the freeway, but then it would take me another four or five minutes or an hour just to get to home in North County, Encinitas, wherever it was, because you know how bad the uh, the traffic is. Well, anyway, we, we left Coronado right around noon, and we didn't take a car. We had our driver take us. My driver's my son. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I paid my son because we didn't want to mess around with the car, right? So we're leaving Coronado like at 12, and just for him to pick us up was amazing because of all the street closures because of that great Fourth of July parade that the city of Coronado has. Uh-huh. But, you know, with theory, you know, it's easy to find people. You just... So we're leaving, we're going back across the bridge, and there's no traffic leaving, but coming into Coronado, the traffic was literally, literally backed up to the top of the bridge, you know, trying to come in, and yet there's yeah. not a single parking spot anywhere in Coronado. Yeah, I don't know where the heck they think so they're going like, to go. Know. I mean, it's like, physically, what is going on there? Yeah, I don't know. Unless, unless you take your bike or something, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's, I don't really think it's worth the aggravation, but, uh, you know, apparently people you know, like to do that, so well, who's to know? But anyway, our guest tonight, gosh, this guy's been around 25 years, uh, Southern California expert in real estate. Uh, his, his expertise is in demographics, real estate economic research, valuations, forensic expert, witness services. I guess so he's you know he's appeared in law in, in the cases we can talk about that a little bit but uh but alan what a career you've had my gosh <laughs> and, it's and not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> you're having i mean what a career you're having <laughs> but uh and you've written you know books and articles and, I, and your birthday must be november 12th is that it the book has not come out yet but you've got several articles you've done over oh there. articles yeah. lots galore but uh hoping my book comes out this spring yeah now, what was the big deal about November 12, 2004, when the, both the city and the county named it Alan Nevin Day for your service to the community? What, uh, that, that was propagated by the San Diego County Apartment Association okay. as sort of a thank you for Everything my work in community service. Yeah. Any significance about November 12th at all, or that just happened to be the day they picked? That was the day of their big event. Okay. All right. Anyway... Well, where should we start, Richard? We I got want to start with demographics, Alan. Uh, we had a guest on here recently who said that the population of California is going to go from like 35 million to 50 million people by the year 2040 or 2050. I, I know you tend to specialize on Southern California. I, I, are we going to continue growing? Oh, yes. Even if nobody comes in again, we continue to grow uh, by a quarter of a million to 300,000 people a year in California. That's just because of births outpacing deaths? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. But we do have some attrition also. There are people uh, who can't quite make it here or, or go or try to find a better, you know, less populated place to live too, right? I mean. Some do, but that's wildly overstated. Okay. <laughs> you hear you hear all the time people moving up to Oregon or whatever, and, and of course they don't like the Californians up there either. So. Yeah, but how, how many people do you meet who just moved here? I mean, I meet like five people who just moved here compared to every person I know who ever left. Especially you know, the retirees, right? But, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not being intellectually rigorous there, but I'm saying it feels like five to one to me. Do we have any break? You know, if, can we drill down on the demographics for the for the 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 new residents of California? Are they mostly older, mostly over 55, or uh, do we well, know anything about that? You no, know, most of the growth is basically births over death. So it's okay. The new residents are brand new babies. Gotcha. But okay. we're also getting a lot of in migration. 
on the professional scientific level mm-hmm. because of the uh, tremendous number of jobs that we're creating in the state mm-hmm. in the realm of high tech. Mm-hmm. Speaking of high tech, I just got back on my computer, Richard, and they say the population is 38.8. So let's call it 39 million right now, 2014. So of California. See, it grew by four million since that show six months well, ago. There's a lot of, prop- <laughs> lot of propagating, whatever. <laughs> Five million more than Canada has. Yeah, that's more than Canada has. The I whole con- really, the whole country of Canada. Wow. Yeah. But I did see that we dropped from seventh to eighth uh, in the in the world economy, right? Did you see that? Terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing to think that the state of California is the eighth largest economy in the world. You know, when you think of all the other countries out there, huh, Richard? I guess I, yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way, Joe. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, what else would you like? Have we covered the demographic part, Richard? Or what else would you like to well, discuss? Well, so, sort of. So, so, the, so, Alan. So, to the extent that younger people are shall we say replacing older people do, do we project those younger people to stay here for the for the duration i mean is there any way to predict that well you, you see these mega mega centers that are the high tech centered around the united states mm-hmm. there are about half a dozen of them and they're getting the in-migration of the highly educated young people and millennials hmm. because i would assume that a lot of young well a lot of babies born in california are going to turn out to be highly educated right Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, this, this county, San Diego, uh, we have about a third of the adult population have a bachelor's degree or, or higher. Hmm. It's pretty amazing. And that would be projected to increase, do you think? It's um, because of our job base. Yeah, because of the job base. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Hmm, how about that? You know, we kind of glossed over Alan's impressive bio, so I think we should take a break. When we come back, we'll kind of back up a little bit, get into his, his history and his bio, because it's very impressive. So we'll come right back with Alan Nevin, right after this, and Joel Gresham, of course. Hang on. All right, we're back with another segment of It's Your Money in Your Life with our impressive guest, Alan Nevin. You know, we ought to go over his bio a little, Richard, because uh, I, don't do think, that. I don't think people have any clue. American University, he's graduated there. And where, where were you born and raised, Alan, just out of curiosity? He's Washington, D.C. Fantastic. So that's why you went to American. Yeah. So you got your bachelor's, your B.A. there uh, in marketing. You got your MBA focusing on real estate economics, right? And right. you got a doctoral cor- coursework in uh, advanced graduate studies. What was the focus there? Was it also real estate or? Real estate economics. Wow. Then on to Stanford <laughs> for a master's degree in statistics and research. So you were ready. And what, what were your plans when you first came out of all that schooling? What, uh, what happened next? I've always enjoyed doing marketing research mm-hmm. on real estate and weaving in demographics. Mm. And I've been doing that since I got out of college. Yeah. Well, I see you, you first worked in economic and research um, for Ernst & Ernst for a couple of years, and then you went on to um, another firm as an urban economist uh, in what Washington. You, what years were you at Ernst? I was at Ernst, 1967. 67, 68. Yeah. Okay. Older than me. Yeah. So Ernst and Ernst, that goes back. Yeah. So then well, you, so okay. you, so Ernst then. Young. Ernst and Young. <laughs> so <laughs> then you. technically correct. So then you did some great uh, research, uh, demographic and otherwise, and, and discovered San Diego. How'd you discover San Diego and, and determine that you wanted to come well, live and work Well, I, I actually lucked out. My, uh, Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, my, my brother-in-law was with a firm called American Housing Guild ah. in Washington, mm-hmm. and I learned that they were 
looking for a director of market research in San Diego. Mm. And that took me about 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> had, you, had you been here before? or? Uh, oh, yeah, because okay. I, I'd also been at USC. So and I'd been down here. So that was uh, 71. The population of the county had to be like, what, half a million or something? Oh, it, was a, it was over a million. Oh, but, really? Because it's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I guess the city proper, the city proper is about oh. one million, and the county is three million. So, what was our county population? Well, the county was about half that. Oh my gosh! When, when I moved here in '69, I think the county was one point three. I think. Oh my gosh! Isn't that something? So it's tripled. Yeah. It's tripled, and essentially, gosh, I remember coming. You know, it just was growing. UTC when I got here in '77. I mean, UTC was just a prairie. I mean, all that all that land it just blew up, right? I mean. It's, Unreal. So, um, so you you were at American Housing Guild, which was the predecessor to ConAm uh, from '71 to '74, I see. And uh, then you moved on to Sanford Goodkin and Associates, right? Correct. Senior Vice President. Now, all this time, I guess you were doing feasibility and valuation studies for developers, property. So you were basically the the go-to guy for uh, you know um, consultation and real estate development in the county, right? I like to think that. Yeah. <laughs> So 30 years ago, Alan, did you predict San Diego would look precisely as it does now? I'm just curious. Well, the answer is yeah, because it's it's really tough to change a trend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's grown. You know, I even though it's in like North County, around, around Cal State, San Marcos, mm-hmm. a lot of development going on up there. There are pockets, and I think along 56, there's still going to be room for, for more growth there, don't you, you think? Uh, most of the growth will take place in South County. Really? Otai. Really? There's really not much land left north north of the 56. Yeah, that's true. So Otai, I mean, that's East uh, East Village. I remember going, I remember Adrian Gonzalez, Richard, they had a, <laughs> before he left for Boston, uh, they had a, a bowling event at, uh, I guess, East Village, is it down there, or, or East Lake? East Lake. The, East Village. Lake. And I couldn't believe how nice it was down there. I mean, for, and, the, and the bowling alley was great. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't bowl. They were doing their celebrity bowling. But uh, you're right, Benita. I mean, all that is 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 uh, is blowing up as well. But um, and of course, East Village of downtown is is getting developed. I mean, just put, we're putting two forty-two story towers down there. There are about another twenty-five projects that are in the works in East Village. <laughs> twenty-five. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it, Richard? Is, is that going to increase the population down there significantly? <laughs> oh, yes. But not as much as they had hoped, because originally everybody was building high-rises. Right. Now they're building five-story. Yeah, five stories. Five mm-hmm. over two, they call them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is the big trend with millennials that they want to get back into the urban setting and not want to drive as much? And uh, is, is that the, of the trend, do you think? Yeah, it's a big part of the trend. The only thing we're missing downtown are jobs. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, only about 4% of our jobs are downtown. Whereas, of course, if you look at a Chicago, New York, San Francisco, you yeah. see multiples of that downtown. So gradually we're getting, well, we actually have the same number of jobs downtown today that we did 20 years ago. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Did, yeah, a lot of, did a lot of those jobs move up to the Del Mar area? Uh, yeah. Or we call it somewhere. Corporate center. Exactly. Right. And yeah, now somewhere now there's Carmel Valley. Right. Basically, it's a radial out from uh, UCSD. Mm. Anything within 10 miles of there is gold. Yeah, because 30 years ago in the mornings, you could drive north 
to the North County, which I did, and hit no traffic. And now Carmel Valley and UTC is a massive, massive traffic jam during rush hour of morning. And same thing getting out. And what is worse is that the development in Riverside County mm-hmm. has increased significantly in the last two years. And trying to get from Riverside down to our jobs here in the morning is fairly horrific. Yeah. But, but a lot of people are doing that now, right? Doing that, that long, long commute because they can't afford housing here, right? Well, their homes are basically half the price of here. Yeah, half, half the price. I so saw that there's, that there's quite a few zombie <laughs> zombie homes up there, too, I guess. That, um, and I did want to ask you that uh, about the, the REOs. I mean, we, we've heard in the past that there's this huge um, shadow market that they're holding off um, off the books or whatever that the banks own. Is that true or not? It is not true at all. Okay. Because we have heard that, yeah. right? Well, you've, I've certainly heard it in yeah. Detroit, mm-hmm. but not here. Okay. Well, the demand seems to... Um, to have certainly come back. Um, are we in a bubble again? I mean, are we? Uh, I don't think we're going to run into the same mortgage uh, issues as we did in the past, but uh, what do you think of the bubble? Or is that just uh, Well, the, the our moment? home prices have been routinely increasing 5 to 7% a year, and mm-hmm. that's, that's tolerable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead to a bubble now. We are building far fewer homes than we need to build. Mm. We're in California, we're basically at about half of what we need each year. Hmm. And, of course, the deficit keeps growing yeah. every year. Yeah. Um, but in the Bay Area, the homes there have definitely gone up in a meteoric fashion as far as price, uh, don't you think? Well, you know, anywhere between San Francisco and San Jose, it's a little on the ridiculous side. Yeah. But so are their incomes. Yeah. Gotcha. But Richard did make the point. I mean, there's a lot of people who are not making the incomes who are, trying, you know, working in the service economy up there, uh, or service jobs or whatever, whatever. And, you know, they have to live kind of far away from the, from the, um, you know, where they work, right? Way far away. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rental market up there is insane. Really? Yeah, super Just nuts. insane. Exactly the same rents as in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, they're at about they're four to five dollars a square foot for rental space. Isn't that apartment. something? Yeah, and you don't get much uh, for your buck uh, in either location, right? I have no. a young friend that uh, was recruited to Google and sold his place in Del Mar. They ended up renting a twelve hundred square foot nineteen fifties era home that his wife almost refused to walk inside of because it was so bad. $4,600 a month. Oh, my gosh. Well, I've got a client of my old CPA firm that I'm still friends with, so I stay in touch. And he shot me an email a couple of weeks ago because I guess they were out, and he was trying to get his hands on some tax return copies and stuff because he wanted to get pre-qualified for an offer he was making on, like, a flat or a condominium in San Francisco. I'm not going to tell you how ridiculous the price was, but he's like, he's like, I got to move. He goes, this thing is really competitive. There's, like, 32 offers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 32 offers. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, that sounds like a good place where we should take a break, Richard. We'll come right back after new sports and weather, uh, right after this with Alan Nevin and Joel Greshkin. All right. We are 
are back in the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. So that being said, I'm going to thank our sponsors. A big <laughs> thank you to Michael Carancha and Drew Friedis at UBS. We could not do this without the great support we get from UBS. Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, the best CFO company that you can find out here on the West Coast. Also CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs in San Marcos, Don Epic and Paul Polito. Berkeley Research Group, recent guest, Carl Sheeler, great business valuation expert, helping business owners improve the values of their businesses by reducing the risks that drive those values. Speaking of saving tons of money, Joel Grushkin, cost segregation initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. If you want to protect that cash flow, Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger, assets protection and estate planning. Also, California Republic Bank, a very interesting niche market bank in Orange County and San Diego County, specializing in serving wealthy families and family offices. Neil Staley with Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance, great employee benefits firm. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs by helping CPAs do amazing work for their very best clients. Yes, professional women's tennis is coming back to San Diego. Thanksgiving week, along with my Oceanside Turkey Trot, check out the Carlsbad Classic at Park Hyatt Aviara. www. That's too many W's. That would be CLD Classic. Uh, Paul Hines, CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and of course, one of the key principals in EndFinancialAbuse.org, the uh, program here in San Diego that helps combat rising elder abuse. And last but not least, Courtney Lauber, PopX Graphics, who maintains our award-winning website where our listeners can find out what, Joe? Well, if our listeners would like to get in touch with anyone or all of them, they just get over to IYMoney.com. There's a Sponsors tab across the top of the page. Put your cursor on it. There's a drop-down menu you can click on as many as you like, and all their information is there from their professional background and history, their contact information, etc. And, of course, they've all been working with Richard for many, many years uh, with great success. Right, Richard? Uh, from the days when we all had hair or it wasn't great. <laughs> so. Hey, uh, speaking of websites, Alan Nevin, what's your website, just so people have it? It's Xperra Group, right? Xperra Group, starting with an X, not an E. X-P-E-R-A group.com. Okay, and then Joel Grushkin, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. What's your website? I just Co gave it sort of. CostSegAnalysts.com. Costseg, C-S-E-G, CostSeg Analysts.com. And, of right. course, he's on our website. He's I want on money, website. too. So. so, Joel Grushkin, thanks for joining us. What, what the heck is cost segregation, and what does that have to do with real estate? Well, cost segregation is really an alternative way to depreciate your real estate uh, rather than doing the old straight line way, which is easier on CPAs, but doesn't really work about very how well. Easy things are on CPA. <laughs> uh, in, a, in straight line, you're basically, when you buy a property, you back out the underlying value of the land. And if it's a commercial building, divide it by 39 years, you get thir 39 equal parts. Uh, if it's a uh, multifamily housing or residential property, you divide by 27 and a half years. What we do is break the building down uh, by studying the drawings, the blueprints, and and allocate values to every element that makes up a building, whether it's the cabinetry or Escalator. the toilets or es everything, yeah. and uh, get it down to unit cost. Uh, which allows you to then accelerate depreciation. So you'll end up with a, a group of, of uh, items that are going to have a five-year life, some mm -hmm. others with seven-year, the exterior with 15 years, 
And that allows you to accelerate the depreciation, take more depreciation up front, which mm-hmm. mitigates your taxes and creates better cash flow. Which makes good sense. And, and that should be in the code for many, many good years ahead. Don't you think they're not going to change anything, do you? Uh, it's, it's been in the code for a long time. It, it's just the use of it mm-hmm. w- was, was never marketed. Because it's, it takes its work, right? Right, right. <laughs> and CPAs try to do as little as possible, right? No, no. I think, I think in the days before we had great technology, it was cost prohibitive for smaller real estate owners to maybe maybe do this kind of work. And mm-hmm. so it was geared more towards the heavy hitters. But mm-hmm. obviously, wouldn't you agree, Joel, the technology has gotten so facile and so good that Tech, technology has made it easier however you you really can't get to the level of detail you need if you can't read the blueprints mm-hmm. and so it's not really an accounting study it's more of an engineering based study that happens to have a tax result right that's my criticism of my own profession a lot of cpas think of this as an accounting exercise it is not and it's a big savings um, joel what's the most you've been able to save a client well i think you know, you have to look at it a couple of ways. We've done some very large projects where mm-hmm. the savings have, have been in the millions of dollars. In tax savings. Uh, right. In tax savings. But mm-hmm. even on a, a small project, a, a million-dollar project where over the first five years of ownership, let's say it's a small business, we may save them $150,000. Well, and that's a big deal for someone in that. Yeah, I had, I had breakfast that, earlier this week with the son of a client who, I'm not going to say too much for confidentiality, but the point is the dad who's about 90 years old was paying about 50 grand a year in income taxes and because his wife passed we got to step up in basis in the real estate so we can depreciate it anew and so for the next five years dad who's used to paying 50 grand a year of income taxes isn't going to be paying any Hmm. and he's in an assisted living home so you know his overhead is somewhat expensive because assisted living homes aren't inexpensive to live at so that's a huge huge savings just to a regular taxpayer Hmm. Yeah, and I think that the key now is because of the change in the tax law that came about in 2014, uh, once you have a cost segregation study done and you can break down the costs of the various elements, uh, and then you go ahead and do a renovation of your project. And this is where Alan and I have, have been working on some things on the apartment inventory in San Diego. And, and basically, by having the data that we create in a study— when you do a renovation and you tear things out of your apartment project, whether it's you know pulling out all the things that make up the bathroom or uh, cabinetry, or you've got to replace some walls, some drywall, once you've had a study done, if the study was done properly, you now have the detail that allows you to determine what the undepreciated value is of the things you're tearing out. Hmm. And if you have that detail, you now can take a write-off for anything that isn't fully depreciated. So let's say you had $10,000 tied up in each each bathroom, and you've owned uh, the apartment for nine years. Well, you've got a 27-year life on that project. So when you tear out the, the bathroom, you're going to ba- basically be able to take a write-off for two-thirds of what you paid for that bathroom. Hmm. That's kind of the simplest way to explain it. And that helps you recoup a lot of your costs that you're putting back in when you do the renovation. Hmm. Alan, have you seen a lot of this uh, maybe beneficial in your practice, uh, the cost segregation? Well, very much so. It uh, gives me a chance to talk to uh, clients about something new Mm -hmm. because it's somewhat amazing how few understand cost segregation. That's something. 
I guess we just have to get the word out. Uh, I, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> they've been avoiding it for years, right, Richard? Or, or they just well, don't, no, aren't, I aren't aware? Th or there, there was an awareness I think, issue? I think the IRS provided some impetus in, in the sense that a few years ago there were some temporary regulations which have been worked on and have become. Are they final? They are, they, yeah, they are they're fine. final. They're final Finally final. <laughs> final. It took forever. But, but before the IRS. The, the IRS was under the opinion that a lot of people, when they were improving real estate, were just writing off a bunch of things that they shouldn't be writing off. In other words, weren't capitalizing things that they should have capitalized. But, but it sort of proved to be a hidden um, opportunity when you looked at it from the reverse angle of, okay, but what if we're taking things out mm -hmm. you know, before we then make improvements that we mm -hmm. should be capitalizing? Can't, why can't we expense those? And the answer is, yes, you can if you do the work properly and correctly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think... Um, you know, there, there were some folks um, who, who looked at this as an opportunity as opposed to looking at it as just more work. Hmm. And, and so that's why, you know, it's getting out more into the mainstream and becoming, I think, better known because to the extent that you view this as an opportunity, that's really what it is. Wouldn't you agree, Joel? I mean, it's just a real opportunity. Oh, it's, it's a huge opportunity. I mean, it's literally, it's found money. Mm -hmm. uh, it's money that was going in the dumpster and and you're really taking bringing that back. And, and in fact... Until anybody that's on extension right now, till October 15th, that did a renovation in the last several years, uh, didn't get to take advantage of that. Hmm. We can still go back and recreate those numbers as long as they haven't filed their 2014 return. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it literally is cash from trash. There you go. Anyway, well, the, ta the code and the regs are about 70,000 pages. That's why you have to talk to these experts, folks. So uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll come right back with Alan Nevin and Joel Grushkin right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back in the home stretch with Alan Nevin, Dean of Real, Real Estate Analysis in Southern California and beyond, and Joel Grushkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives. Easy for me to say. But uh, I guess we wanted to focus on apartment renovation in this last segment. Alan, so uh, what comes to the top of your mind on that? Well, here in San Diego County, we have about 300,000 apartment units, and their average age is over 40 years. And most of them are not in uh, terribly good condition. And we see over the next couple of decades an enormous effort to uh, modernize that fleet of apartments, and mm -hmm. we see it all over the county where you automatically can see new windows being put in, mm -hmm. but it's also a lot of the uh, copper is failing in the plumbing. <coughs> the electrical is generally nowhere near the amperage that it should be to uh, support modern electronics like microwaves, computers, mm -hmm. and the like. So we're beginning to see uh, a major increase in spending on, on apartment renovation. And what it's allowing owners to do, basically, is to gentrify their projects mm -hmm. and, of course, drive up rents in the process. Mm. Yeah, they are going up a little bit, wouldn't you say? <laughs> uh, they are. And the problem is, you know, we have a number of A-quality units in the county we have a ton of C's and D's, don't have many B's. So you can take a C that's a dog and by properly renovating it, bring it up to a C, to a B, and a large part of our population can afford a B, but they can't afford an A. Mm -hmm. So by renovating old units, 
in good locations. I mean, if you look at all of what's happening in, in North Park, mm-hmm. South Park, uh, mm-hmm. OB, Point Loma, an enormous amount of renovations going on. Mm-hmm. Are there, t- are there tax reasons for that? Uh, are they getting some uh, some breaks? Or what's spurring that, just uh, to improve their asset or just the infrastructure so bad they have to do it? No, I see a situation where uh, entrepreneurs are just taking advantage of what they see as an opportunity. I was going to ask that specific question. Are you seeing the original longtime owners do this renovation or are you seeing new buyers move in? Mostly new buyers. Okay. Mm, okay. Because if you do an, a renovation properly... It's about $40,000 a unit. Mm-hmm. And somebody who's had these units, you know, for a lot of these people have had them for 20 or 30 years. Well, they've been living on the cash flow, so they tend not to have huge reserves. Yeah, and they don't particularly see any reason to go into debt. Right. So it's, it is the new owners, and we're seeing a lot of... We turn over about 400 apartment projects a year here in the county. Okay. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Of course, there are some tax advantages by doing what we talked about earlier in the break, by using cost segregation, whether it's, if it's an owner, let's say, that's had a building for five years, and they're going to go ahead and put that 40000 per unit in, we have the ability to take the write-offs on the things they're, they're tearing out, because if they've only had it for five years, they've only depreciated, you know, 20% or so of of the value mm-hmm. so we can write off the balance covers a lot of their costs yeah, maybe 25 or thirty thousand after tax that's right depending so but but yeah for the person that's already owned the building for for 20 years or 27 years or 30 years we can't do the same thing but we can accelerate the depreciation on the improvements they're making mm-hmm. and if they're putting in forty thousand thirty thousand a unit that becomes significant mm-hmm you know, what we find that really turns a C into a B is installing a washer-dryer in each unit. Mm-hmm. That's the number one hot item because 50% of the renters are women, and they hate coming home from work in the evening and having to go out to a laundry room. Mm-hmm. So the washer-dryer is a major, major uh, factor mm-hmm. in the renovation process along with putting in some decent air conditioning yeah. and microwaves and other upscale items. Now, there's some pockets of real estate. We talked to, we had a prior guest on uh, the the main post office on Midway. All of that land, that building's vacant now, I guess because the postal services, you know, their business structure has changed so much and they've kind of downsized. What can we do with that over there? And, and maybe you could talk a little about the Qualcomm site as well, if you had any thoughts about that. Uh, you know, that entire area around the post office is uh, dramatically underutilized, but a lot of it falls within a 30-foot height limit. For instance, all the land along Sports Arena, where the, mm-hmm. where the uh, Dixie Line mm-hmm. is all up and down, has a 30, and you can't, as a developer, make anything work when you only have 30 feet of height. And until they change the general plan uh, to accommodate higher buildings, it's just going to sit. But I mean, that, that space where the, the main post office is, is is empty, that whole building and that whole corner, um, they've moved to a remote part of the property there. But I think, you know, that's 
that needs to be utilized at some point. Uh, well, they, they, the problem is the cost of tearing down that post office is probably more than the cost of the land. Which brings up the Union Tribune building. Um, you know, it's kind of sad to think that, um, I guess, the, the owner, the former owner of the paper wants to put some high-rises or some condo developments there, but to, to tear that building down, not only would be sad because it's been a landmark so long, but, um, you know, the cost of that would be uh, ridiculous. Well, yeah, it? it's, a, it's a dysfunctional building. Yeah. So but but there, there is room in front of the building, mm -hmm. so Manchester will be putting up 200 apartment units there <laughs> in what is now their, the, the UT parking lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And, and leave the other building vacant or maybe, I don't know, what do you turn it into lofts or re re mixed use? I don't know. Uh, but it's a nice building. I've always liked it. So um, it, it's interesting. So, Alan, if, if our mighty chargers move out of town, what, what, what on earth is going to happen to the stadium? Um, the answer is that at some point, the rest of that land will be developed. It just there's really no two ways about it. Okay. Well, they were even thinking, I mean, part of the plan was to develop along the river anyway and, and, uh, and build a new stadium there. Um, so that, that, could, that could happen. A new stadium for whom? <laughs> well, funny you should ask because uh, I set up a, well, I, we, yeah. I arranged a meeting last week and, and uh, I think we should start, although our team has not moved in 20 years, but uh, there is some movement afoot now to at least explore some other maybe smaller market teams that might be willing to come to San Diego. We've got a guest coming on next month, but we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. We're going to keep that a surprise for yeah. a week or two. So we'll see. Plus, I don't think, uh, I don't know if the owners in the NFL or the committee that permits teams to leave uh, is so enamored with the thought of the Chargers leaving San Diego either. Uh, you know, it's a billionaire's uh, playground, and, you know, we're just having fun talking about it. But uh, so I don't know. They may, there's a, they're putting on the big push to sell tickets. Have you noticed that? I mean, mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't look to me like they're too eager to go if they want to sell, sell tickets so, so eagerly. But uh, we'll see. It's, anyway, we're at the end of the show. Darn. It's, it's, it went really fast. But Alan Nevin, so great to have you here. Thank Joel you. Joel Grushkin, thanks for coming by as always. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Richard, great seeing you. And uh, jo uh, Justin Hart on our board, thanks for making us sound good. And thank you to uh, Craig Blinker, account executive, and to our programming genius here at KFMB, Dave Sniff. Thanks for all your support and help. All these podcasts are on IYMoney.com. You have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time with Dr. Bud Rubin and his son, Gary. Good night. Good night.